Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is one that is really close to my heart, identifying talent and setting them up for success. And I have the perfect person who will talk all about his experience, and that's Stacy Harding. And Stacy is EVP and National Production Manager for Cherry Creek Mortgage. Hi, Stacy. Good morning, Pat. It's great to be with you. Well, this is the topic dear to my heart, and I know it is for you, and we know it's always a hot topic within mortgage banking. In fact, actually, M Report just had in their magazine this exact topic, so I think it's timely. So when you look at your experience, you've made it over good markets, bad markets, all kinds of different recruiting markets. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned? Well, Pat, I think one of the things that I've learned most over my 37-year career, and and it's about 23 years at Cherry Creek, but is that we have to go deeper in our analysis and selection of folks we want to bring into the organization than just a good interview. I think when I started uh, recruiting professionals into the industry in my 20s, I got so excited when I had a really fun interview and I liked the person and we would agree to work together only to find out at some point in the near future that it really wasn't a very good fit. So uh, I am uh, overly cautious about uh, hiring folks without doing some great deep dive and due diligence and discovery together and making sure that uh, not only is it going to be productive, but it's going to be something that's a great cultural fit and uh, that we're going to have a great time working together as well. Well, Stacy, that's really an excellent point. And it does boil down to a job fit and also an organizational fit. So talk about your thoughts on how to really analyze the job fit and then talk about the organizational fit or the cultural fit. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've shared with you recently is I've really got this belief that your company is going to become who you hire into the organization. And so I think both of those are really important. Obviously, we, we know that we have to have right, the right people on the team, but also in the right positions. And so I really became pretty dedicated a number of years ago to using some really good evaluation tools to make sure that the person beyond just their experience in the industry or in other industries really is kind of wired naturally to fit into the job duties that a specific role will have, such as a loan originator or a processor or some other position in the mortgage industry. So I think that we go way deep in the analysis of the person's experience, but I think sometimes we kind of take a shorter cut to trying to figure out whether or not this is a person that's really skilled for that job. Well, that's for sure. In fact, actually, in the magazine that I had already mentioned, when they were interviewing other executives, they talked about, in other words, the job fit being really all about hiring people you know. And of course, that's pretty typical within mortgage banking. But at some point, you're going to be hiring people you don't know. And that really does cause you to really look at it in a different way. Any thoughts on that? It's not uncommon for us to to hire and attract people that are similar to us or that we know and those types of things. But for any organization that ultimately is trying to grow at any pace, we'll probably run out of the people that we know real well. So we're going to have to attract people that we don't have a familiarity with. So I really do believe that the due diligence process and the discovery that you go through with a prospect 
is very, very critical. And, and not just for your evaluation as an employer, but also helping that person be confident that they're making the right selection about a, a, an organization or a position. The last thing that I would really hate to have is that someone gets in here in our organization and six weeks or six months later, they're really wondering why they made that choice. And I always share with potential people that we're going to work on our company that if we all make a mistake and it's not a good fit, we'll all be okay in the end, but it'll be a more severe transition for the employee than it is the organization. They're disrupting their life far more than the organization is to make a move into our company. And so if it isn't a good fit or proves not to be, it, it's more damaging to that individual. And given for what I stand for in our organization and leading people in the organization, that's the last thing we'd want to have happen. So Stacy, talk about the issue. Certainly I hear many managers that talk about their criteria for hiring, but then when they start to get larger and they start to scale, then now you're talking about that having to get translated down to the managers. How did you get the managers to be in sync with what your thoughts were? Yeah, that's a challenge. I will tell you that I think the larger an organization gets, you face some some challenges with continuing to make sure your culture is distributed throughout the organization. And I think sometimes the further you get away from the home office, that becomes more difficult. And so I think it starts, first of all, Pat, with uh, hiring the right managers that, that understand that or are committed to the same things that I think the organization is in the sense of adding value to people and creating a, an environment where there's a, a high, high degree and probability of success and really continuing to share that vision throughout. I meet with our managers every every month these days via Zoom, but it is the first thing I always do is remind them of our core values, our purpose statement, and what we're about and what we're trying to accomplish as an organization. So trying to keep that vision in front of those hiring managers and understanding that there's times where I know we need to get help into the, the branch offices, for an example, but if we make a wrong hire, it's actually going to be worse than not having that position filled. And so really just reminding people that we've got a responsibility as leaders to really make sure we're creating an environment where every individual person on the team can succeed and apply themselves in a way that their talents and their skills are utilized. But we have a, a bigger commitment to that team as well. And so we just can't take the hiring of professionals lightly. It's probably the most important thing that I think we have to do. But it certainly is a challenge the larger your organization gets. And you hate to put bureaucracy in place to kind of protect about those things. And I think that's one of the challenges of an organization that's growing is how do you continue to, particularly in, in the space that we operate in, how do you keep that in, in entrepreneurial environment and grow and make sure the infrastructure's in there, make sure you operate within all of the regulatory requirements of our industry, and at the same time, have people feel creative and innovative and feel free to you know, have that entrepreneurial spirit, whatever their position is. So it's a challenge, but I think continual reminders and, and of course, demonstrating it myself as the leader of the, the sales division, if I compromise on those things, it's pretty hard to hold someone else accountable to those standards. 
So, Stacey, talk about the at the managerial level, and you really hit home on a key topic that I've actually been talking about for years, is that the quality of the manager does really drive who they bring in. And so a lot of times within mortgage banking, certainly a value is placed on the person's production more so than their capabilities as a manager. Do you see that changing or what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's certainly true. I'm pretty certain 99%, if not 100% of us didn't grow up thinking we're going to go into the mortgage banking industry. And so we didn't get that specialized training on either the the technical aspects of the business or the leadership aspects. And so I do think our industry over the the course of history has been challenged by, we place folks in leadership roles because they were very high and successful in their own personal production. And I think for some folks that's great and it's a perfect move. I've also uh, experienced with folks that maybe have been a high producing loan originator for an example and they think the next step is to be a a branch manager but but the reasons are all wrong it's really to get leverage from other producers production maybe be able to take some time away from their own production and and ultimately that just leads to frustration if it isn't about a passion of leading and developing other people in that branch so I do think that it is getting better. And I think it's almost forced to be, Pat, because of the changing nature of our industry. As we understand that the business is as competitive as it's ever been, I really believe in the next 12 months, we're really gonna see what competition is all about. And certainly the, the entry of big tech and the things that can be done through technology, if, if you really aren't a leader attracting and leading people who are skilled and highly regarded as trusted advisors out in the, the real estate community, for an example, or with consumers they've done business with in the past, it's going to be hard to keep pace and actually grow. So I think it's really important. I do think it's getting better. Well, that's good to know because certainly I think going forward, as we run across more difficult topics that are facing the industry, it's all going to dovetail back to the quality of their managers. And that starts at the branch level for sure. So talk about how do you identify the criteria for success when you are recruiting a new group or a new individual into your company? Yeah, so you know, obviously that question has a lot of different levels if you're you're trying to recruit an individual or a group of people or perhaps a large group of people. And and so I again I think that the depth of the discovery together and the, the things that become important in understanding those folks in the sense of what is important to them, what are their values, how would they define success? And if those answers aren't in line with what you believe as an organization you're trying to accomplish, irrespective of the amount of production that may be attached to that uh, opportunity, I would I would encourage folks to, to pass and move on because it just doesn't feel like a fit. I, I've always kind of felt like in my effort to train branch managers and, and loan originators, we definitely are in a business that is production driven and it drives the ability to grow and invent and all those things. But if that's the thing we focus on when we're interviewing folks or getting to know people, we're, we're likely going to miss some really important aspects. So for me, I really believe in this process of, of what we might know as high trust interviewing, where we dig deep into what people are interested in, what's important to them for the organization they're going to work for, what, how will they define success in the coming weeks and months and years. 
And uh, if those are in alignment and then can be validated through other, obviously, discovery, then, then you're on track. But I think so often we get hung up on production. And, and again, we know that drives it. So it's, it's tough to pass on opportunities where there's good production opportunity in front of us. But if we do that, we may blow up our infrastructure. Or we may have re reputational risk with the, the business that's being brought in and delivered into the secondary market. And we certainly could have uh, credibility with our existing team that does fit. So I just think it's we've got to continually to really dig deep on the things that we think will create long-term success together. And, and for me, it's always been the long game. Is this a person that I can, or a group of people that I can be proud of in the organization for the next 20 or 30 years? Would I be pleased to walk down the street with my arms around them saying, look who's my partner, look who works with us? And those are, those are things that I take very seriously. Well, that is why you folks have really done so fabulous over the years, because you do have that long-term vision for sure. So it's a credit to the management team. So talk about how do you install in a practical sense, this issue of having the managers review in the same format and due diligence that you particularly have done and are obviously encouraging them to do. Do you have a set of questions? Is there a set routine or how does that all work? Uh, yes, Pat, there, there is. There's a very consistent process of the discovery that we go through with prospective teams or people that are coming into the organization. So it's obviously it starts with uh, validation of the individual's background and, and experience. We, we're really blessed at this point in the history of our industry where we can we can kind of verify independently you know, the, the, the past work history, the production levels that people have participated in. So we can really uh, kind of quickly go through the validation of, is this a consistent and productive team or individual? So, so then the, the expectation of all of our managers is that we're gonna go through multiple uh, interviews with multiple people, uh, oftentimes including senior level folks like myself, and we're going to get to a point where we, we are all confident that we've got a person that is going to be a good fit, that we're going to be able to help. And for me, that's another part of the evaluation is, is our company and is that leader or the folks that are going to be supporting this group or person that's coming in, can we help them get where they want to be better than their other options? And, and if that's true, then we've got a foundation to move forward as well. So I think, you know, is there a specific manual that you, you process mm -hmm. through every step as a hiring manager? Uh, not exactly, but we've got a cultural process of how this goes about. And we are going to go through a process of some, I guess, what you might call behavioral evaluations, some validation of some of the technical understanding that that person may have. And then when we all feel very confident, along with the prospective uh, group or team, that this is going to be a place where, you know, we, nothing's 100% likely, but, but we can feel like, yeah, this is a 95% or better fit, and we feel like it's going to work, then we go forward. So I think it's just kind of to come back to your original question on that is we, we've weaved this process through our hiring management team well enough that they kind of know what to do. Well, that's good to hear for sure, because it is the key to all success and long-term success for sure. So, Stacey, talk about this whole issue of now we're in a Zoom world, which you kind of mentioned in the beginning, and how has that impacted your recruiting and this due diligence that you've gone through? 
Yeah, I'm so grateful that we've had it over the last couple of years. You know, in past years where we really didn't think about video conferencing much in our industry, you could connect by a telephone, but if we had been shut out from, you know, personal face-to-face visits, it would have been a lot riskier in making hiring decisions. And so the, the ability to use Zoom today, I think it certainly made it more efficient in the recruiting process because uh, folks who might not be certain they want to dedicate a lot of time to looking at your company will at least get on a quick Zoom call and, and start to you know, understand the leadership team and the people that are involved. And that they will often get a comfort level at that point to, to go to the next steps. So we have uh, worked very hard to get face to face in the last several months, obviously, with what's going on in the country with the pandemic. It's uh, potentially going to be back to some more Zoom. But I think we've used uh, that in a way that we can establish the, a good foundation of the relationship. But I'm sure that you would agree there, there's no replacement to being face-to-face and, and really engaging in one another and really just engaging in the human experience. So I want to do as much in-person and face-to-face as we can, but I'm, I'm really grateful that we do have video conferencing to use. Has there been any resistance at the managerial level with using Zoom for the recruiting? I would suspect when we first started this, when some of the stay-at-home orders came out, that might have been true. I just don't have any of that resistance at this point. I I think folks know that if they aren't willing to embrace that, they're really not going to have very many opportunities to create. Right. That is certainly the state of the time. So when it gets back to at the branch level and the recruiting component, so are you measuring, let's say, and tracking branches that might have high turnover, therefore their recruiting was not done well? Is there some type of tracking mechanism that you follow? Well, the the quick answer to that is yes. As you and I know, it is very, very expensive to hire people and then have them exit at some point early in that career. And so we definitely track our turnover and we actually use our our human resource department, obviously, to help us with data on that. And, you know, I think as a, a national leader, one of the things that I've really tried to do is maintain a close connection to those folks who are involved in recruiting in my division. And I know who they are. We know that there are some that are just more skilled than others. And so there's in some that are less skilled or have higher turnover, there's a, a little tighter rope around those hiring decisions and there's not quite as much flexibility. And in, in I share this with people all the time that when we're we're hiring folks, we're really building a a reputation or a credibility personally as a hiring manager. And we're either making good decisions and we're hiring the right people or we aren't. And then there's a question of our discernment. And uh, I just don't want people to feel that they're recruiting from scarcity. I just need help. I need people. I always want to be taking an abundant approach. And so I think it's important that we understand that we are personally as leaders having our reputation scrutinized every time we hire someone. And did we enhance the team? Did the the team get better? Or did we put a drag on the team? And we know that the team is only going to go as far as the weakest performer is. So yeah, I try to stay close to our folks on all of that. Well, such good information. Well, we only have a few minutes left today. So would you like to share some of the takeaways for our, our listeners? Yeah, I think uh, we'll start with that, that quote I kind of gave before. It, we're going to become who we, we hire, and, uh, and that's really important to understand. 
don't take shortcuts in recruiting and identifying talent. Don't just get excited because you had a wonderful interview and you really had fun in that interview. I learned a long time ago that the better that first interview goes, the more caution that I put in my mind about it. And all that means is that I've got to dig deeper because I can I can have poor discernment if I just enjoyed the interview. And there's just so much more to it, as we know. I think making sure that you weave that throughout your organization and you use the tools that are out there available to really validate what people are telling you in interviews. Certainly, we can verify production apart from the individual just telling us. We can verify job history. We can discover in the marketplace good, reliable references. And, and then we go through a process of multiple people being involved in the interviewing process so that we don't just become biased about our own opinion of the person. So I just think it's actually, I think it's a great honor to do what we do, Pat. I, I, it's the, the most fun that I have in, in my job is to really tell the story of our organization, but really to discover with people what's important to them. And could my team and I and the company really help them get out of their life and their business what's important to them? And then uh, just don't take shortcuts around that. It's really important that you make this a, a big priority. And I think if you go in it with a heart of your job as a hiring manager is really to, to recruit and help people, that will also help your company achieve the goals that you're after as well. Well, I can't agree more with you. In fact, I've spent the last 20 years on this exact topic, so I agree with you completely. And that's why I was so excited to have you, Stacy, today. And I want to thank you uh, for sharing all of your thoughts. And I want to thank everyone for listening. I certainly appreciate you spending time with us today. Thanks so much, Stacy. My pleasure. Just one last thing for everyone. This is such honorable work we do. We really build our great communities, and I'm proud to be part of it. Pat, thanks for including me. Thanks, Stacy. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.